Hello and welcome to Western Teacher Live, the State School Teachers Union of WA's new podcast, where we'll be talking teachers, TAFE and public education. My name is Bob Fig, and I'll be your host. I'm joined by SSTUWA President Matt Jarman, Senior Vice President Natalie Blewett and Vice President Shamila Nagar. In this, our first episode, we're going to run through some of the key issues the union is dealing with right now, and it is quite a list. Uh, Matt, uh, let's start with Education Minister Tony Booty's revised 10-point plan on supporting school leaders and teachers as they deal with school violence. Your views? Thanks, Bob. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I might just acknowledge that in our 125th year, this is our first podcast and what a long journey the SSTU has had and over the different pathways and things that we've experimented and done. I just hope that our members appreciate the podcast. My understanding is that members... Uh, or people in general listen to uh, podcasts at the most unusual times when they're doing their shopping or when they're walking the dog or whatever the case may be and we just hope that this is another resource that our members can use. Yesterday has been a pivotal moment in uh, Minister Booty's uh, position as new Education Minister. I believe he has been listening to the advocacy of the union and to the union membership feedback which has been building over the last couple of years since our June 2020 membership survey which started to really identify some of the systemic problems with violence and also online conduct towards our members whether they be teachers, psychs, uh, to school, uh, school leaders and so on and also some of those uh, prohibition matters that are really highlighted in the new uh, policy. And uh, perhaps some of the questions that people will have and they're out in the workforce there, there have been these um, facilities or these uh, powers available um, and people haven't necessarily been using them. Is, is that a historical thing where people in the past have felt if they're uh, excluding students that reflects badly on them as teachers or leaders or they maybe haven't felt that they had the real backing of uh, the powers that be? I've applied prohibition orders and it is a significant decision that you make. It really can go to damage the relationship that you have with the parent or the carer. They're not something that should be considered lightly or done quickly. Uh, and I think that that sort of weight has been heavy for school leaders. But they now have uh, a different level of confidence from the minister's office, from central and regional office, that should they need to prohibit somebody from coming back on site, that they have the backing all the way through. And we'll certainly be working hard to make sure that those resources and that those decisions are fully backed and the school leader and the teacher feels that support. And one of the things that I think teachers are really reluctant to do is, is send kids away and, and they get no chance of an education. One important thing the union did was uh, successfully campaign for increased alternative learning settings provisions and also more uh, school psychs. Um, so that's something that presumably you want to see expanded even more so that kids who who are, do have to be excluded um, for their protection, for the protection of staff and other students could, can still get an education? Yeah, I think the pressure points on resources immediately for the rollout of the policy are around alternative learning settings, particularly those in our regional uh, jurisdictions, but also around uh, parent liaison officers and the support that they're going to be pivotal to provide, probably centrally. Uh, I don't have the details around that at the moment, but we don't want the parent liaison officer workload to be something that's done at a school level because that's almost pointless. Uh, what we need to see is a centralised approach to that and for those resources to allow the school leader and teachers to focus on what is their day-to-day -day job, which is exactly what all of this policy is aiming to do, and that is to make our schools safe components within our local communities where people go to learn and achieve. And that is exactly what this policy, as the Minister said very clearly this morning, wants to strongly pursue. 
Okay, well, that's good to hear, and it's good to uh, see the education minister listening to the union's point of view as well, and that's appreciated. Um, Shamila, if I might come to you, the um, union has had an ongoing and wide-ranging review that it's um, commissioned into public education in WA. Uh, can you just outline for us who's, who's involved, who's leading that process, and, and where it's at at the moment? Sure, thanks, Bob. The uh, State School Teachers Union of WA appointed... Dr. Carmen Lawrence, former Premier and Education Minister, to head an independent review into the current issues faced by our public education system. Other panel members include Dr. Scott Fitzgerald of Curtin University, Colin Pettit, our former Commissioner of Children and Young People, Robin White, a former principal, and Pam Pollard, a former principal who is the executive officer to the panel. So the review panel first met our state council delegates in November 2022 and workshopped our terms of reference in the inquiry. And these terms of reference include what is the current state of public education in WA currently? What has been the effect of these changes on school leaders and teachers in WA? And how do we best tackle and respond to the needs of teachers and school leaders in addressing these issues? So keeping that in mind, in term one, we had community consultations all the way throughout WA run by the panel for the purpose of this review. And the panel met with all members of the community to know how to tackle these terms of reference questions, how to put forward a submission, and most importantly, to hear the community voice. The panel also met with several associations and stakeholders in education, attended district council meetings, and spoke to many educators, parents, and other community members on how these consultations could best involve them. So up to date, we've received over 100 submissions from these groups, and Dr. Carmen Lawrence uh, presented some of these interim findings to June State Council this year, and we're hoping a final report will be presented to us later on this year. The panel will also be meeting with Minister Butti and the Director General to share some of these general observations. Yep. Shamila, that's fantastic. And, and, and a lot of submissions too, I think over 100 public submissions and, and pretty much every uh, significant stakeholder group in the public education sector um, has also submitted their views. So, so far it's been a, a pretty successful process and, and one that certainly sparked a conversation around public education. Absolutely. And it is really important for the panel to hear the voices of many. So it's not only educators, but parents, our associations, and also other unions who are involved in education. Do you know your rights? Our Know Your Rights sheets are your easy-to-use guide to key employment rights, conditions and union advice on issues including leave, dot, work health and safety, workload and more. Uh, Natalie, um, we're moving through quite quickly, which is um, um, we've a lot to cover in our short first podcast. So let's have a little chat now. The, the union has, or many years ago, did a regular state of school survey, and it was uh, resurrected, as it were, a couple of years ago, and uh, we're about to run it again. Um, it's a really important way for the union to gather information from members on the issues affecting them, um, and uh, it's really important for members to be involved. How, how can they be involved? Hi, Bob. Thanks very much. Um, so our State of Our School survey will be released shortly. It'll run for approximately four to six weeks and we are encouraging all members to contribute to the survey. Uh, it can be accessed via an online, uh, online link 
information will be found in Western Teacher article as well as in our e-newsers. So we encourage members to keep an eye open for that and to get engaged. And uh, I believe that the materials will go online um, on the 31st of July when the voting uh, will start. Reps will get a, and if you're a rep for the SSTWAA, thank you for your efforts. Um, you'll be getting some material in the mail and via email very soon. And uh, the voting process will run, as uh, Natalie mentioned, right to the end of August. So it will be your chance to let us know the issues that matter to you. Um, it's not about us telling you what you think, but about you letting us know what you need uh, assistance with. Uh, we know red tape is a big one. We know class size is a big one. And, and Matt, um, as if the union isn't busy enough, it's also time for members to have their say on those issues and a range of others uh, as they get a chance to have their vote on the school's log of claims. Now, for those who don't know, you might be listening as a parent, for example, this is part of the process of securing a new uh, agreement with the uh, employers, which of course is the Department of Education, the WA State Government. Uh, and I think there's a, a log of about 100 claims, which gives you an indication of uh, some of the issues that the sector is facing. Matt, tell us a little bit about this log of claims. What are the key asks and what are we asking members to do over the next few weeks? Thanks, Bob. Uh, look, it is a very larger, it is a significantly larger log. Uh, we don't apologise for that. We've spent the best part of the last 12 months putting this log together. Uh, I think the, the fact that there are more claims in the log is a reflection of where we are as a system. So we, we really couldn't leave anything else out and, and those claims have been scrutinised by our State Council and by our Executive and that's why it's been endorsed to go out to ballot. Uh, you mentioned class sizes. Uh, West Australian uh, public school students attend the largest class sizes uh, compared to just about anywhere in the country and significantly in some cases. So that is significantly an issue for us uh, in this log of claims. There's also a significant amount of claims directed towards professional learning and the workload that comes with uh, professional learning. There's uh, a lot of work that's gone into grow housing which as we all know across Western Australia is a struggle. Uh, it's uh, an unprecedented struggle in many many ways and we've got some claims in our new log that aims to be quite bold in how we wish to address or see our public sector workers uh, from our schools uh, supported with GROW and, and, and also safe as well because security and the maintenance of those uh, buildings and residential places where our people live and where they uh, dedicate their lives through, uh, they have been left to disrepair. So there is a broad range of issues covered in this log, uh, none... Not also forgetting the FTE that we had in the previous log that now seems to have um, garnered much attention on a national scale. So things along the lines of instructional coaches, student health and wellbeing coordinators have all been mentioned as good ideas on a federal level and they've made their way back into our log as well as endorsed by our members. And, and Matt, to the, the uh, process that has been gone through to get to this point, for those members who aren't probably maybe as active as, as others, what's the process been to reach this point? Well, it starts at a school level really, so attending branch meetings and then on from their district meetings we have our organisers listening on the ground all the time to those concepts or those challenges. It all gets fed back through to the Logger Claims Committee. State Council is another significant period of time, uh, but effectively our ears are always open to, to what our members are saying and we don't just get it through the surveys, we get it informally through, through our network as well and uh, I think our system is very transparent and very accountable and, and you see that in the quality and the depth of the claims that we're going to fight for. 
And uh, members who are listening to this podcast today, hopefully on uh, Thursday, check your e-news today because that's when uh, your member uh, information will come out. There'll be a couple of ways to have your say. Your rep may call a branch meeting and record the uh, votes of the whole branch, or you can vote uh, yourself um, both online uh, on, and in a paper version if you prefer. So uh, plenty to look out for in your e-news this week. Have a topic that you would like us to chat about? Drop us a line at editor at sstuwa.org.au. Now, uh, Shamila, moving on to a somewhat different subject and one that's very current because I believe that the yes and no cases will be uh, revealed formally tomorrow. The SSTUWA has taken a very strong stand uh, in supporting a yes vote on The Voice. Um, why is the, the SSTUWA so engaged in this process? Um, thanks, Bob. So I suppose I'll start and pose this question to everyone. Why is the Voice to Parliament union business? And more importantly, why is it SSTUWA's business? And hopefully my response will answer this question. Firstly, I want to start by taking out an excerpt from our SSTUWA's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Education Committee. And in that uh, previous article to the Western teacher, they said, we have always known the power of building positive working relationships with Aboriginal people in our schools. And we ask our members within the SSTWA to work with, walk with us. And as educators, we are informed and accept the invitation that is the Uluru Statement from the Heart that specifies a voice enshrined in the Australian Constitution. This is too important to keep changing and we want this to be above politics. So keeping that in mind, and that article is on our website for you to see the full article which explains the importance of this voice. Secondly, SSTWA supports a yes vote to Parliament because we were recommended and endorsed by it by our decision-making body, which is the State Council delegates of last year, and again this year at June 2023 State Council. As a union, we know it's about fairness, equality and respect for 65,000 years of a culture in this country. The Uluru Statement and Voice to Parliament is a natural reflection of the principles of union values, giving it a fair go of consultation and a collective voice. And we can do this by enshrining a voice. So what exactly is being asked of us? It is about an advisory group and it's a, it's a voting for simple as that. So we often hear that unions should stay out of this. It is too political. And what we always say is that this is about an invitation given to us from the Uluru Statement from the Heart. The union will be doing so in support of the original position proposed by the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, not by political party or political views, and by supporting our educators, our members, our communities, our colleagues, and also our Aboriginal students in the YES campaign. We at the SSTWA know that there's a lot of information out there that um, maybe our members want to know. So we have started uh, information Zoom sessions within the building and we ran our first one in the school holidays and we'll be running further information sessions to really nut out what exactly is being asked for and the voice to parliament, some positive outcomes that could be achieved and also providing any clarification of any common queries. That's fantastic. And, and we um, had some inspiring speeches at our recent state council. Uh, and as Shamila says, that perhaps the strongest and most important voice of all from our ATSI committee, um, who have written a, a tremendous uh, piece about, and particularly railing it back directly to education. So I think sometimes members think it's, oh, it's just a bandwagon, but obviously the, 
the issues around education are particularly important. And as Shimila says, sstuwa.org.au is our website address and you can find all of that information on the uh, site there. Are you aware of your SSTUWA member benefits? We've got you covered on a range of member benefits from entertainment to insurance and legal. Check out our benefits hub via sstuwa.org.au slash benefits. Uh, Natalie, I'm just going to come back to you quickly. Uh, a little bit of a question without notice, actually. I'm going to go around the panel uh, for that. Perhaps um, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in, in teaching. How did you get involved with the union? Uh, thanks, Bob. So I have actually been a teacher for the past 20 years and I'm a level three classroom teacher. I became involved in with the union very early on in my career. I uh, joined when I graduated from university and I had been an executive member for 10 years before I actually had accepted a position working in the union office, originally as um, the acting vice president, but then also taking on a position as a project coordinator, working with the a lot of work with the new educators, um, with around recruitment, retention, um, how we can support our early career teachers, as well as a bit of training as well with our working with our reps. So a uh, very long time working with the with the union, with the union movement, and uh, I'd certainly enjoy working for and with members. Shimila, I'll ask you the same question, a bit of background, how you came involved with the union and, and how you come to be a senior officer now. Yeah, it's, it's strange how your path just changes so suddenly sometimes. But my passion for working in public education started 21 years ago where I was working in low socioeconomic schools in the UK. And uh, my first head of department said to me, you need to join the union if you want any assurance protection and you want to advocate for public education like you say this is where you need to start and I come from a culture where in my country unionism is feared and I'm originally from Zimbabwe and quite often seen as illegal activities so it wasn't something that I grew up with but seeing a place where you can have a say um, was really important to me so that's where I started and I married a West Australian and moved here and um, I've always advocated for working in public education and to see how that uh, follows through really. Um, working within the union, I was an executive member for a few years and it just all seemed to come quite naturally um, working with second language students, knowing that the union had a voice on supporting all students for fair and equitable education was how I got involved. and. As they say, the rest is history. Right. And uh, Matt, your uh, story, a principal before? Uh, yeah, but really for me, um, I was lucky enough at the very beginning of my career as a teacher to have school leaders who were union members. Uh, so my understanding and beliefs around public education were really influenced by particularly the late Kim Dallard, who um, you know, made it quite clear what his views were. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, they were mine. I just needed them um, internalised and, and uh, lots of school leaders like Kim have influenced me to, to do that. And then as I became more and more of a school leader, uh, the uh, public good of public education meant more and more to me. Um, and as a long-serving school leader of 22 years, uh, you, you come to realise that you need to do more for the students and the staff in your care and who you're responsible to. And for me, coming uh, accepting an opportunity with, with the State School Teachers Union because of its position and its respectful position that it has within the WA community and the WA government particularly, both sides, uh, that it was a too good an opportunity to not accept. So it's a privilege 
to be blunt. It's hard work, I'm not going to deny that, but it is a privilege to, to be a member of the senior officer, as I've said publicly before, uh, leadership team at the union and also our executive, but also when we pop downstairs and see our members for whatever reason, it's just uh, a wonderful uh, community of public-minded people. And, and when I, taking Shamila's point, when you extrapolate it internationally, we actually belong to a union family of about 200 million people, which we might not see day to day, but there are people in Myanmar and uh, Botswana and uh, Buenos Aires who are going through the same challenges day after day like we are. So uh, it is a very, very significant network. And, and as I'm reminded, we are part of uh, historically the world's largest social movement. So it is a privilege to be here. Oh, thank you for that. And of course, our fourth senior officer three in the studio with us today on this uh, Western Teacher Live podcast. The fourth is Mary Franklin, the General Secretary, who we one, one day will drag into the we studio will. and get her yeah. on air we as well. We have a shared goal of getting Mary Franklin, we'll, we'll say it publicly now, into a podcast. And Mary's done a lot of that work going overseas <laughs> to uh, assist other unions as well. Um, Matt, one of the things I think that you, you first became involved in, in travelling over east with the um, SSTUWA was around Gonski and funding and it's it's been a big topic it obviously dominates a lot of the work that you do now um where are we at with funding because a lot of the public are finding out that public schools are underfunded drastically um, and that private schools are getting more than 100 percent of their needs met and i think whilst it is not a battle between private private and public schools it's certainly focusing public attention what does the union need to see happen on a national and state level to uh, get public education properly funded? Well, the first point I'd make is that uh, the AEU, uh, of which we are we belong to nationally, and of course our branch has been extremely proactive in getting this out into the community, and it's good to see that it is starting to be more commonly appreciated. What do we need to see? We need to see the West Australian state government contribute 75% and the federal government contribute 25%, and for that 100%, which is the minimum standard expected to fund our schools, for that 100% of funding to be be delivered to the school gate, not to be washed away in capital depreciation tax or paying for other things. That's 100% of minimum funding that, as you mentioned, Bob, private schools are already receiving. In fact, in Western Australia, some schools are receiving, many private schools are receiving up to 105%. So a gap of about $300 million. And so it's an equity issue, fundamentally. And, and then we can start to dream with what we might be able to do with those uh, sorts of funds. Uh, we just want want equity. It is a critical 12 months in front of us because the National Schools Reform Agreement is up for review right now. Minister Clare, Federal Minister Clare has made some very bold statements even today, which we are constantly pleased to hear. But like all words, we need them turned into action. And that will come through in the form of a negotiation between Minister Booty and Minister Clare to provide West Australian public school students with 100%. The pressure is on because we have other states and territories around the country who are starting to receive or have a commitment to receive 100%. And here we are sitting in Western Australia with a very, very significant budget state surplus. And I think public school teachers and uh, students are a priority. So we would like to see that negotiation swiftly completed and that our students start to see uh, those kinds of funds. For my primary school, where I came out of, for Yanchi Beach Primary School, a school of about 650 kids, you're talking about an additional $800,000 a year. It's a significant amount of money that you could do good with. And at the end of the day, we've we talked about violence and we, we've talked about our log of claims and class sizes and, and aspects like that. Without the funding, none of it happens. 
Oh, that's right. And uh, it, it is important to separate that the logger claims funding should not be coming out of the NESRA agreement. That should be a separate pool of uh, funds. We will need to see the student formula increased. Uh, and then we'll have that, hopefully we'll have our wins in the logger claims and perhaps class sizes uh, will be one of them. But that comes from a separate pool of funds and that's the state, budget, the state budget's commitment. And uh, just to uh, sort of uh, complete the circle as well, we've been talking about the log of claims. Uh, the State School Teachers Union was part of the Public Sector Alliance. Members who are listening to this podcast will notice that there aren't actually pay claim figures in our log of claims documents. Is that because we're working with the PSA on that area of, of the log of claims across the broader public sector? It is. The Public Sector Alliance is very strong here in Western Australia and I say that as a comparative statement to other places around uh, the country that have tried and haven't had the same level of collegial success that we have here in WA. So it rep we represent about 150,000 at least uh, public sector families in WA. That is a significant component or chunk of the electorate and we know that that will get the government or has already got the government's attention. So um, much like a number of other issues in 2023, uh, how we consult with government over the next six months around public sector wages is a priority. We will be certainly bringing our members forward to speak directly to Treasury officials to talk about the cost of living expenses. Uh, but I can't underline how important it is for the Public Sector Alliance to stay unified. And I can uh, tell members that uh, only having been to a Public Sector Alliance leaders meeting today, uh, the, the unity is strong. So our unity and our commitment to one another, no matter when our agreement is expiring, is a strong now, if not stronger, than what I've seen in the last 18 months. Thanks, Matt. And uh, also thank you to Natalie and to Shamila for joining us today. Uh, this has been our very first episode of Western Teacher Live, the SSTUWA's new podcast, where we'll be talking teachers, TAFE and public education. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you'll join us again. We'll be discussing these topics in a lot more depth and a bigger range of topics uh, across the next coming weeks. So thank you all for joining us uh, and we hope uh, you'll come back and have another listen later on. Thank you. Thank you.